your voice be heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. All right, guys. So we're back. Um, again, my name is Selena Hill. We're here with Stanley Fritz, our Loser. DJ, who plays all the trap music. So you can either thank Ignorant him or... Not thinking. This is Sunday. Like Who wants it? to praise God on Sunday morning? Just most church people. We also have Alyssa Fuchs, uh, Jackie Cohen, and our intern, Asinette here. Now, Aston Martin is what we call her now. Aston Martin? No, nice. no. No. So, guys, so for the last three weeks, uh, inmates around the country and about 40 different prisons in over 20 different states have been partaking in the largest prison work strike in U.S. history. At one point, it was reported that there were about 20 thousand prisoners on strike however you may not know about it because there's been a media blackout a number of mainstream outlets including ones that lean to the left supposedly have not been covering this now the strike began on september 9th to mark the 45th anniversary of the attica prison revolt in upstate new york where prisoners overtook their they basically overtook the prison to fight for better conditions however it ended in the deaths of 10 guards and 33 inmates so now that we have this ongoing prison strike and where it's in its fourth week now it's approaching approaching the fourth week um thousands of incarcerated workers are refusing to work uh because they're protesting long-term isolation bad health care horrible food violent attacks etc they're also demonstrating against what has been called the practice of slave labor yep. uh, really as Pretty much because the average inmate working a job in a state prison facility makes about 20 cents an hour. Meanwhile, in at least three states, and I'm talking about Texas, Georgia, and Arkansas, they work for no pay at all. Now, as a result of the cheap prison labor, the industry produces about $2 billion, billion with a B, $2 billion worth of product output each year. And in turn, these profits go to private corporations and help the rich get richer. Selena, I'm sorry. I know you're doing an intro. They're working for free? <laughs> that is legitimately slavery. Right. What do they well, call the prisoners? Interns? Well, it's, it's it's not because under the 13th Amendment, um, it's actually made an exclusion yeah. for people who are in jail or in prison. So, constitutionally, they that's not... White people cover all their racist bases, don't they? Pretty much. Yeah, no, pr- pretty much. And we'll speak more about that afterwards. I'm sorry. Now, um, so in response to the ongoing strike, prisoners have faced very harsh punishment, including being put on lockdown, some are being kept in their cells, others have even been put in solitary confinement. So, to help us with this conversation, we have Azura Crispino, who is calling in all the way from Austin, Texas. She is the media co-chair of the Incarcerated Workers Organizing Committee. Now, I just want to say the Incarcerated Workers Organizing Committee has doing a phenomenal job in pretty much organizing these prisoners across state lines to protest in unison, and they're pretty much acting as um, the people communicating with outsiders outsiders like ourselves. So, hey, what's up, Azura? What a beautiful introduction. I feel like you pretty much said it all. <laughs> no, no, no. There's so, there's so much more to, to talk about. And, you know, thanks so much for calling in today. So, you know, I want to start here. Um, this is not just about the fact that the prisoners either get paid a few cents a day or some aren't getting paid at all. It's about their repression. So let's, I, I want you to, you know, just talk about this nationwide strike and what the prisoners are fighting for, if you can just delve into that a little bit more. 
Sure. So the call for prisoners to be paid minimum wage is not just to help their daily conditions. So certainly if a prisoner has the money to be able to call home, that's going to help them strengthen that relationship with their mom or their children, and that can be really important. But it's also about, as you said, the fact that the prison system or the prison industrial complex is a huge money-making business. And so if prisoners were paid minimum wage, there wouldn't be an economic incentive for these companies to be hiring prisoners instead of hiring outside workers. Guys, if you are just tuning in, we have on the line with us Azura uh, Crispino. She is calling in from Austin, Texas, and she's part of the Incarcerated Workers Organizing Committee. And I know Jackie wanted to ask you a specific question. Yeah, so in learning more about this issue, what I've been so amazed by is how um, those on the inside have been able to organize themselves in such a unified way. And as somebody that organizes for a living, I, I can't imagine how challenging it must be to organize individuals who are incarcerated, who don't have access to a cell phone. I mean, can you talk to us a bit, Azara, about the logistics and organizing um, inmates and, you know, what have the challenges been in doing so? Sure. So censorship has been a huge challenge. Basically, in terms of how does the rubber meet the road, IWAC and other organizations send mail into prisoners telling them about a call for the national strike or just providing literature that helps to radicalize them and help them to be able to organize themselves and each other. So it really should be mentioned that this strike was called for by prisoners. Prisoners are organizing each other. Those of us who are on the outside are just trying to help and uplift their voices. And there has been a huge coalition of people it's best to think of IWOC as the web between all of them. But because we're part of the industrial workers of the world, we have a little bit more resources in terms of being able to get the word out. Um, but it's been difficult because of censorship. Like, I think it was in Nevada, none of our mail could get through to any prisoner talking about the strike. So in certain cases, it's been trying to sneak in the message into otherwise innocuous-looking mail. Sometimes it's been done by prison visits or um, really any means. But the reality is that the conditions are so horrible, and prisoners recognize that they are in a system of legal slavery, that the moment that they hear about a call for a national strike, a lot of people are in. Like, we received messages from prisoners after the strike had already begun saying, I hadn't heard about this but this is awesome. I want to join in. When's the next one? Can I still do this? Azura, you said something that's really important. You said that our prisoners right now are involved in legal slavery. And I just wanted to to get some more context behind that because although, again, the 13th Amendment abolished slavery, it exempted criminals. So, and, and, And on top of that, a number of courts have consistently said that prison workers are not employees. So they're not entitled to any of the protections that workers in the free world get. So that includes if you, you know, getting compensation for um, a disability, choosing not to work, um, you know, they cannot organize, uh, they can't unionize, things of that nature. So if you can just, um, so the question I have for you is, how do we prevent this? If this is in the Constitution, if this is a form of legal slavery, can it, in, can it ever be overturned? 
call to amend the 13th. And Malik Washington out of Texas, currently in solitary confinement for his organizing efforts, as well as jailhouse lawyer speak out of South Carolina. Dee is going to be on the line to tell you more about that. They're organizing a million prisoners march on Washington on August 19th of 2017, precisely to call for a constitutional amendment. Free Alabama movement has called for a freedom bill to be entered into the Alabama legislature that would try to address this issue. But I think what's most important right now is to support the prisoners who are striking themselves. And real quick, I just want to mention it's work stoppages and hunger strikes. Because for prisoners who are in supermax or in solitary confinement, they're not allowed to go to jobs, so they have to go on hunger strike. Like in Virginia at Red Onion facility, there were 16 or 17 prisoners who held a hunger strike for two weeks. Um, Dying to Live in Wisconsin, they've been on hunger strike for more than 100 days. Merced County Jail in California rolled off hunger strike, and then they're about to roll back on. But getting back to this legal question, we really need to create a mass movement to fight mass incarceration. And that can be done by not calling the cops when you have a conflict, because somebody is going to end up going to jail or prison, and it's not a good thing. If you can avoid calling the police, please consider doing so. Let's resolve our conflicts ourselves, and let's do whatever we can to support the prisoners. Uh, Azura, let me just, uh, can you just clarify? So you're saying that people who may be a victim of some type of crime should not call the cops to help them? Can you clarify? Well, I do think it's important to get help, but I think we also need to recognize, especially in in light of what's happening in Charlottesville, North Carolina, and in many other places around the country, that the police are not always on our side and that often people end up incarcerated for what they've done wrong in a way that doesn't end up actually helping out the community. So in terms of tangible things that people can do, you can write to prisoners, you can write in to prison officials when repression is occurring, you can call in to prison officials, but I'm also asking people to consider alternatives to just picking up 911 if it's a conflict that can be resolved in some other way. So something that I was thinking about a lot in in reading more about this issue is that, you know, the on average, um, an inmate who works in a prison makes between 15, 20 cents an hour, which is practically nothing. And, um, you know, I, I would have to think that if we were to raise the wage for these inmates who are working, who are doing, you know, hard work um, and deserve the same equal protections, labor protections that people on the outside have, um, that would be expensive, right? Like that would be expensive, but maybe that would force us to consider who are we incarcerating and why. If it's so expensive to, um, you know, to install prison labor uh, programs, then maybe we would be a little bit more careful about who we were throwing into jail in the first place and limit incarceration levels. So 
Good point, Jackie. I just want to plug real quick, guys. If you're listening and you want to call in with a question or a comment, our number is 212-650-6903. Again, that is 212-650-6903. If you're on Facebook Live, leave a comment. We're talking about the prison strikes going on. You haven't heard about it because the media hasn't covered it. Alyssa? Yeah, no, I just wanted to give you some numbers here. So um, right now, about, uh, give. I mean, these are approximate numbers. So at least half of the nation's 1.5 million prisoners have a job in prison in some states it's actually a, have actually a work requirement which means if you're able-bodied you must work otherwise you will face disciplinary consequences uh, according to data that was collected by the Bureau of Justice statistics about 700,000 prisoners have daily jobs they do everything from helping to run a prison mopping cell floors mowing lawns preparing and serving food uh, they do GED tutoring file papers in the chaplain's office shelf books in the library about 60,000 inmates participate in quote-unquote correctional industries that are designed to mimic real-world jobs, um, which basically, uh, in some cases, amount to $472 million in net sales um, That from the, the things that are made out of these programs. I mean, like right here in New York State, um, a lot of times prisoners make uh, furniture that is used in our schools um, and also press license plates and something else. Um, as has already been mentioned, courts have ruled over and over and over again consistently that prisoner workers are not employees, that this is part of their punishment slash rehabilitation, um, that they are not entitled to the protections that job workers, uh, sorry, that people, regular workers have, um, that they're not free to leave their, leave their job if they choose, and that they are not free to have access to workers' compensation or disability if they get injured, and they're also not allowed to organize. As was mentioned, they also need not be paid minimum wage. The typical hour wage is 23 cents, which is up from $1.15 per hour. Um, now, uh, that is, and 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 that's a big reason behind this strike. And I obviously agree with these prisoners. Those are harsh conditions in hard labor that they are being made to do for very very little money. Um, and I think that they should get a raise. They deserve it. And I think. Well, that- that, that that's a big reason why I'm glad that the strike is going on, especially there's numerous other reasons for this first strike. The prison conditions is one of them, and I can speak about that at length. I will hold off on those comments for now. On the other hand, and I just want to raise this, uh, just to play devil's advocate, even though I agree with everything, which is the other thing that could happen is the government could decide to pay them nothing. Literally, they could say, we're not going to pay you anything, right? So the, the drawback to this is, you know, we have to find some kind of balance in, yes, we all, I think, here think that the prisoners should be paid more and should have better conditions. Prisoners also want to have jobs because if not, then they just languish around and they, they don't have anything to do all day. And a lot of people that are incarcerated, as you know, a lot of, you know, I've spoken to people at length about this. I deal with incarcerated people every day will tell you they want to work. So the flip side is we also have to be careful. We want to have a strike. We want to have movement, forward movement. Um, We want to have people on the outside working to, you know, have people in prison being paid more and have better conditions. At the same time, we want to make sure that we don't end up in a situation where they get rid of jobs altogether or reduce the wages to zero because that would be but one it, of the it's possible... it's already zero in many states anyway. It is, it is. But then, like I said, the next step is they could just take the jobs away. I don't and, I don't see that happening, though. Let's well, right, because they want forced labor. Right. I get that. But at the same... Like, they could, in theory, if they know that prisoners use jobs as a way to keep themselves occupied, then they could say, hey, we're not going to occupy you anymore. Sure. Right. Um, okay, so um, on that note, um, Azora, unfortunately, we're going to have to um, 
go to a quick break. But before we do, if you can just tell us, you know, what are the, the next steps moving forward? Really briefly, I know you were speaking about a fight, uh, taking the fight to Washington next year and having a million man fight for, uh, you know, people behind bars. If you can just speak to that and then tell us how people can get in touch with you. So people can get in touch with IWOC by emailing us at IWOC at riseup.net. The march is being organized by Jailhouse Lawyers Speak, but we're happy to support them, but that is their initiative out of South Carolina. Um, And there are plenty of other ways that people can support by engaging in repression response. Please check out itsgoingdown.net and support prisonresistance.net. Thank you again so much, Azara, for calling in. Don't go anywhere, guys. We do have to take a quick break, but when we come back, we have D calling in, who is currently incarcerated from a prison in South Carolina. Don't go anywhere. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard. And we are back. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. Before we went on break, we were talking to Azora Crispino, who is from the Incarcerated Workers Organizing Committee. And we're talking about that ongoing prison strike across the nation. Now we have D calling in. He is an incarcerated worker who's calling in from a South Carolina prison. Now we're going to call him D to protect his identity. As I mentioned when we first started this segment, a lot of uh, prisoners and organizers have been undergoing a number of repercussions for participating in this ongoing strike. So we're just going to call him D. Thank you so much, D, for calling in today. Thank you for having me on. Morning, D. Good morning. So, you, you know, D, I wanted you to uh, talk about some of the repercussions you or maybe an, or an incarcerated worker that you known that you know of has actually gone through just because you're fighting for better food, uh, livable wages, the fact to have some rights as an incarcerated worker. Yes. Um, well, uh, it's a number of, uh, number of, I like to call them retaliatory acts, uh, political repressions around these, um, around these prisoners fighting, including myself. Um, a lot of times, um, prisoners are um, confined to their cells. Um, this confinement may take place for a number of weeks. Um, that means no recreation, no telephone, no, uh, no visitation with their families or friends, um, not even buying some basic necessities from the commissary or store, as some people call it, um, all the way up to being confined in the solitary confinement. In uh, solitary confinement, you can confine all the way up to a year. Um, it just depends on your track record in the prison system. Um, we've also had a number of reports as related to retaliatory shakedowns, meaning um, guards may be going into certain strike leaders' rooms or um, people they feel are instigators and just taking small things like their family pictures from them, uh, stepping on their family pictures, destroying their food. Um, it's just a host of problems that we're dealing with right now um, with the um, system as it relates to this um, strike. You know, D. I- even though we're here, you know, we're allies with you and the movement, there's some people out there who would say, why even give the time of the of a day, give the time of day to someone who's committed a criminal act and now supposedly wants some type of rights? Like, this is all a part of the system. You know, what, what do you say to those people who just feel like they can't empathize and they don't see this as a human rights issue? Um, I would say this here, first of all, the, the way the system is designed, um, it is designed where you or anyone can end up in this predicament at any time. 
Um, I will also tell people that what they don't know is that crime, the time that prisoners have, is really has absolutely nothing to do with their crime. A lot of these um, sentences are economically driven. You have private companies, corporations that, that, that have put forth millions to enhance sentencing, to um, criminalize statutes to the extreme. So uh, a lot of people that would say, you know, uh, we would uh, we don't want to waste no time on this or we don't see uh, why we should be paying any attention to this right here. I would say this here, remember, remember, uh, the lowest of your society is usually your moral compass. And um, today we're showing our moral compass as it relates to humanity is at an all-time low. I have a question for you, Dee. So um, in discussing paying inmates a livable wage uh, for their work, do you think that that would benefit inmates who have families on the outside? Um, Because I know I read a recent statistic that said that 50 percent of all families with a parent who's incarcerated are more likely to use Medicaid. They're two times more likely to use food stamps. Do you think that by paying inmates a livable wage, they would be able to um, help support their families who have to continue life on the outside? Um, I think that's a great question. Um, we have to remember something. Over, first of all, the prison, the prison class is predominantly of the poor. Um, they are uh, 90, over 90% of nothing more than poor people. So these are coming from, uh, uh, these are definitely class wars that's taking place um, in the court system, the judicial system in this country. So that means a lot of the families, they are definitely um, uh, from poor economic backgrounds. Um, children are struggling. Um, a lot of times, based on the um, poverty, these children themselves end up victims of the judicial system. Um, I do feel like if prisoners were uh, allowed to be paid um, fair wages, um, it would uh, help the families out there, I think, because right now the uh, prison systems throughout the country, they exploit these poor families on the outside. I mean, commissary prices are sky high, um, all the way down to uh, medical needs. Um, they're charging us for medical needs, in some cases, room and board. Um, so it is definitely a burden on the family um, themselves. So with this help, yes, it absolutely would help. You know, um, I, you just to add to that, actually, yeah, not all, uh, like what he just said, the, when you have to turn to family members then to pay for things, the rising cost of commissary, but for a second, we could talk about the phone calls. Um, a phone, a single phone call through like a company like Global Telling, um, can cost somebody, if, if you're accepting a collect call, can cost somebody on the outside $9 just mm-hmm. for a minute or two of calling. To set up a prepaid account can cost you $30, $40, and one single phone call on that prepaid account can be $10. So there are definitely outside private companies that are making money off the backs of prisoners who are getting paid next to nothing. Uh, that said, I wanted to switch gears a second and ask you, D. I um, do a lot of police misconduct and a lot of um, uh corrections misconduct lawsuits. Um, I know a lot of this strike has been about labor and about the the wages, but um, I know part of it also has to do with prison conditions. Now, I know you can only speak about the conditions that are uh, at the prison that you are in, but I also wanted to get your thoughts on um, what portion of the strike is also being used to focus on the issues of the conditions of prisons, um, including things like, uh, you know, abuse of inmates by corrections officers. Um, I know that you're obviously in a men's prison, but in women's prisons, we see women being raped by corrections officers. Um, there are uh, corrections officers that are basically no better than some of the people that are in prison bringing in uh, drugs and other contraband. Um, are, what kind of issues uh, about those are being addressed um, through the strike? Are, are you guys focusing on those issues as well? Um, yes. Uh, 
first of all, let me say that um, we are very much so um, um, connected throughout the nation as it relates to uh, as, as it relates to this movement um, that's developing in this country today um, behind prisoners' human rights. Um, definitely, over um, to us, particularly where I'm at right now. Um, including the um, majority of the prisoners that I've spoken to throughout the nation. Um, this entire, the, the wages are only a part of the, um, of the strike. It's also to bring uh, mass attention uh, to the uh, devastating effects of uh, mass imprisonment, as well as the um, um, violation of human rights of prisoners in general. Um, and a lot of those things, like you say, how much is being dedicated to it. I think if you would look at some of the list of demands, you may find at the very top, um, all of us prisoners nationally, we agree with the um, abolishment and hold apart the 13th Amendment of the United States Constitution. And then the wages, and then you will find a list uh, based on the state. They may vary a list of uh, issues um, that may be surrounding uh, retaliation, police brutality, all the way up to police killing. Um, and, and I think it's also important for me to point out, we don't see the police killings on the street as separate uh, from the uh, brutality that's taking place in the prisons. We feel it's all connected to one thread, and that thread leads us back to the 13th Amendment to the United States Constitution. Thank you so much, Dee. And before we let you go, I just want to ask you, how can we be allies in the fight against unprayer prison labor, we on the outside? One more time, I didn't hear you. How can we be allies? I mean, you know, we on the free world, we as outsiders, um, you know, we can't fight in, you know, the same way that you can by refusing to work. But what can we do? What can people listening do to help this fight and your movement? Um, well, I would say, first of all, um, join, a, um, join, some, join some groups out there that's already organizing with the prisoners on the inside. And I would definitely have to recommend off the top EWOC. Uh, they've done a fantastic job. Um, they're actually uh, working um, with the prisoners, ensuring that the prisoners' voices are heard. Um, so um, they're actually working with us. Um, I would say uh, work with them, find groups with them, or you can get with some of the more, um, some of the actual prison organizing groups inside the prison themselves. Um, and um, write, I, I would also say um, you can also um, write some of the um, striking prisoners that may be um, suffering repression at this particular moment. Um, we also need community. We, we also need things like phone blasts. You know, contacting some of these local prisons, and you can also go to the uh, IWW um, Incarcerated Workers Organizing Committee where, uh, Facebook page, and um, they usually have a pretty good list of um, some of the repressions that's going on throughout the state. Um, and also, I would encourage people, um, particularly those that are with us, to um, participate in this upcoming Millions of Prisons Human Rights March that will be taking place in Washington D.C. Um, it's essential that we have the voices out there of the people. Thank you again, Dee, for calling in and more power to you and your movement. And I just want to add on to say that if anybody wants to be an ally, you can visit your local jail. You can also register inmates to vote. It's another thing that we can mm, yes. all do. Yeah, so I actually just wanted to add to that. So I'm actually a member of the National Lawyers Guild's National Police Accountability Project, um, which is um, not, well, it's an offshoot of the NLG. So uh, the Guild has endorsed the prison strike. Um, if you want more information about what you can do, they've directed you to go to the website itsgoingdown.org, um, and you can find more information about uh, actions there. In addition, um, the support prisoners resistance dot, uh, dot 
org blog um, has a renewed call to action for solidarity with the prison strike beginning on October 15th and going through October 22nd. Um, by rough estimates right now, we have over 20,000 prisoners involved in this strike in some way. And on the outside, we have had a lot of solidarity. Uh, there has been banner drops, graffiti slogans, noise demonstrations. Um, one of them occurred right here at the Federal Detention Center in prison. The uh, people who are incarcerated on the inside turned the lights on and off and on and off, and the people outside banged pots and pans and drums in solidarity. Um, so those are definitely ways you can get involved. In addition, you can go to the National Lawyers Guild uh, website and get involved. If you are a lawyer, and this is specifically to any listeners who are out there who are lawyers um, who can donate some of their legal time and do some pro bono work, um, the Guild and MPAT members are looking for lawyers that can file notices of claim on behalf of aggrieved incarcerated people, looking for lawyers to do pro bono legal representation of incarcerated people participating in the action. Um, they are looking for lawyers who can do legal observing of demonstrators supporting these actions on the outside and people who can represent arrested protesters uh, as well as anybody else who can spread support about the events. Right now, these actions are started on September 9th. They are continuing. They are going on in 17 states um, and in 45 cities around the countries. There are many, many ways that you can get involved. Uh, if you have any questions about getting involved, then feel free to tweet at us or send us a message through Politically Preposterous, and I will put you in touch with somebody um, who can make it easy for you to help out. This is really important. On that note, I'm going to throw so, it back to Selena. Uh, I wanted to give Jackie and uh, uh, Stanley 20 seconds for yeah, final comments. So I, I want to push back towards anyone that thinks that unpaid or low-wage prison labor isn't a form of enslavement. I mean, there is no coincidence that there is an exception to the 13th Amendment that allows prisoners to be treated this way. And what we're finding is that, um, you know, black and brown people are primarily incarcerated at rates way higher than than white folks. So to to say that this isn't a type of slave labor or enslavement is just completely wrong. Thank you. So I, I stayed mostly quiet this segment, really because I, I was extremely shocked about some of the things I heard. The weight... If you want to find out the true testament of a person, look at how they treat the least of us. Mm. And I know that a lot of people in these places, they made mistakes, they committed heinous crimes, but they are still people. You don't do that to human beings because you can't punish them for being for not showing humanity or for making a mistake and then go right back and show no humanity towards them or no love. That's not what people do. That's not what good people do. So I'm very disgusted and I hope we do better. Yeah, definitely. And I wanted to add that Number one, if you still have a hard time connecting with this issue as a human rights issue, think about it this way. The people that are currently in prison, one day they're going to get out. And they might be in your neighborhood and they might be living around where you live or, or, or around where you take your children to school. And I, I don't know about you, but I would want the most rehabilitated, educated people to be coming out of this system. They shouldn't be getting worse. And that's what's happened. That's what's happening. And the thing is, they're not just on strike for more wages and for, for, um, for better food. They're also fighting for better education and better rehabilitation programs inside of these prisons. That's number one. And number two, think about it this way. Are you a taxpayer? Of course you are because you're not Donald Trump. And our tax dollars are being used to fund this prison system. So while people, especially black and brown people, are being massively incarcerated, what they're doing is they're working for barely nothing every single day to make rich corporations richer. Again, so our tax dollars are being used to fund and help 
companies like Victoria's Secret and companies that make a lot of money off of this slave labor. So guess what? You're affected. We're all affected and it's all connected. So on that note, we do have to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. Alyssa's coming back with the quickie right here on Let Your Voice Be Heard.